0: Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. This morning... um... You know, I was just thinking as Richard was up here and the musicians were up here as well, all of these people are where they are because they did something about what God spoke to them. That's right. And I think one of the things, um, looking into my message, is exactly where I want to be, because uh, if all these people, James and I included, you included, if you hadn't have done what God had spoke to you, you wouldn't be here today. That's right. Amen. And so we have to remember that. And, you know, this year, the end of this year has been such a blessing. At the very beginning, maybe I think around about October, we met with the elders. And um, it was such a blessing to appoint the elders and to be able to work together and we discuss things and pray about them. And um, I try not to be too bossy or loud, but, you know, it comes with the territory, sorry, marry moi. So that's the way it goes, sorry. But... You know, and we did, we moved from there and we went to the uh, ministry leadership team and we, we put our findings there. And do you know the thing is, is that when they got up and they put their, they gave their feedback, it was exciting. Yeah. Because within the confines of the elders, we have so much that we can think about, but they have more. And I've been just thinking about, thinking about all this, while was coming up to this week and thinking, you know what? God has blessed us so much. We've had some great preachers here, haven't we? We've had Pastor Pete from the river. We've had Pastor Greg from the rock. Why do they have these, the faith point? Does that work? Nah, it doesn't work. Anyway, but these guys have come. that ministered to our hearts. And, you know, I've seen even uh, uh, our own preachers, Pastor Phil, um, Freddie, has come and preached. And, and even Pastor, I won't forget you, Pastor James, he has preached. <laughs> Just in case. And you know, I think, God, wow. Hey, wow. And some of us have walked away with our heads spinning, thinking, mate, I've got to do something about this. But how many of us know, "Mm -mm, it doesn't happen? It's go out the door. It's like when we go to conferences. We get out the door. We get to the car. By that time, I'm thinking about what am I going to eat? Always been thinking about that. Yeah, yeah, go the Samoans. Yeah, what am I going to eat? And, you know, you know, you get to home and you think, what's that thing that fella said? You know, it was, I mean, that bloke said, sorry, that's my Mary. That guy said, what was it he said? Where was it from in the Bible? And, you know, sometimes I wonder, what are we doing? Amen? What are we doing? When, if we really believe, Psalm, that says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way, we must really believe that God has ordered us, our steps to be the, in the hearing of a sermon, the communication of a sermon. And not only does he want us to know that, but also this, we've got to do something about it. Amen? And so often than not, we're like, all of us are like this, eh? I'm going to lose weight. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) How do you lose weight when you eat too many kinapaui and a loaf of bread to go with it? I'm going to get fit. That won't happen if you're lying in bed. Eh? I'm going to fix that relationship one one day. One day. One day. One day. And we are the world's greatest procrastinators. We are And yet is it when God speaks Is it a commandment Or is it an option You answer me Is it a commandment or is it an option So when you have a commandment Do you decide that you're going to have this sort of What do you call it when you're back and forward Negotiation With the master Actually it's a commandment But let's just negotiate the terms That's not a commandment. I remember this young fella saying to me one time, there's no such thing as no Lord. There's no such thing. If you're saying Lord, it's always going to be yes. Amen? It's never going to be no Lord. So anyway, so I'm thinking about all this. And we come to the elders meeting and we're talking a little bit about it. And then God gives us uh, the scripture. Because we're asking this question. What are we going to do next year, Lord? We don't just want to rush into our plans. You know, we want to hear what your plan has got. And it gives us a scripture. If you go to Colossians 1, verse 28 on your phone, your iPad or your Bible, the real one. Hey, this is my Bible. See these things? We make those in kids' church. The, the book, the book um, what do you call them? Bookmarks. I bet you guys don't make them when you're in here. Hey, he doesn't get you to make bookmarks. We're into our Bibles next door. Anyway, and this is what Colossians says, and I'm going to say it in the Amplified Version. We proclaim him, warning and instructing everyone in all wisdom, that is, with comprehensive insight into the word and purposes of God, so that we may present every person complete in Christ. What does that complete in Christ mean? It means mature, fully trained, perfect in him, anointed. That is the plan. That is the big picture plan this year. We want to see all of us, not just me, you know? It's not just about me. If we're going to be an army that we say we are, if we're not going to negotiate with God, then we're going to be all on the same page. Amen? And so this is the same page, the same pages that that we may present every person complete, in Christ. What is complete? Complete is not finished. Complete is I've done a job and oh, I'm full. That is awesome, God. Complete is not okay, we'll go home and have a cup of tea now. It is this. It is knowing that what we have set out to do on any occasion is completed. Amen. And so all of us are coming to this point because God has spoken it into the atmosphere over this church. We want to see all of us complete, mature, anointed, so that we can go out to a dying world and not stay here. Because here is where we sit and celebrate, but this is not where we live. Amen? That's right. And so God has spoken to each of you. You might say, God's not spoken to me. Hey, you're here, aren't you? What happened? Did you get up one morning and decide, "Oh, I think this is a good idea to get to be a Christian"? No. God spoke to your heart and said, "I want you. I want you on my team." And so, I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, "Okay, God, it's all sweet and very well, but how do we get there?" And so I come upon this. I've come upon this. The thing is, um, I want to say this: completeness. Then makes us suppose that something is incomplete So if God says he wants to make us complete Then it tells me that something in my life is incomplete Amen And so One of the things that the Pharisees were really good at Was talk, talk, talk And not walk, walk As a friend of ours said "All hooey, hooey, and no doey doey uh, uh, That's the Mary interpretation of that so Jack Hayford says this: "The people who are inclined to talk their way to heaven and not walk their way there. you know where I'm going with this, isn't don't you? So we are incomplete if we just talk about it and do nothing about it. If God gives us a command and we say, "Nah, I don't want to," that is incomplete. How many dreams in our lives have been incomplete? Because God has said, come this way, it's going to be rough, but we'll be all right. And you said, nah, I'm going to go this way. How many dreams have been incomplete in our lives? Because we've decided that we don't want to listen. That we put one finger in this ear and one finger in that ear and walk our lives like this. Do you know, one of the things that I've come to realise... Is that our lives as Christians is not a journey. It's not a journey. It's an adventure. Yes? It's an adventure. Great things happen when you're with God. And uh, you know the difference between a journey and adventure. I'll tell you this. Every time I come up against something, I think to myself, this is an adventure as a God. And I love adventures, but I'm a chicken, really. At the core of my heart, I'm a chicken. I don't like going to the dentist I don't like new things I don't like anything And so James has got a motorbike Let's put it out there honey He's got a motorbike Helps him get to the city when he's got appointments there Because he can park it anywhere And so we went up to the north And here's me Chicken, chicken, chicken He says put your helmet in the boot And your leather jacket And I'm like yeah okay So we'll go Do you know, I spent two days with him on the back of a bike and I had the greatest time. (gasps) (laughs) Settle down, boys, settle down. (laughs) I went places that I could not have gone and I, I, I experienced things I could not have experienced. Because I decided, you know, I'm saying, God, God, when I'm chicken, I always say, hey, God, do you want me to do this? It doesn't matter what it is. If it's wearing a new outfit that's shorter than what I normally, I still do it. Call me weird, I don't know. But I realised that I could have stayed in my motel room while he went touring around the north. We parked the car in Pai here. It went right up around the north and came back again. And I visited some childhood places. And I had a ball. I had a ball. I could have stayed home and been more spiritual and prayed. Dear, right. (laughs) Whatever. I would have watched TV, I think so. But, you know, that's like God. When God says, come on, come on, this will be fun. It'll be great. You need to think to yourself, God, okay, I can trust you. Let's go. And so I'm just saying that to you because I think, you know, All of us need to have a sense of adventure. This is not a boring trip that we're on with God, amen. This is not a boring trip. This is not something about, I don't know how this goes, this will go like this, that, and the next thing. But God is on our tail because he wants to have adventures with us. And the minute we begin to open our hearts to the things that we're chicken about, he'll say, come on, come on, we can do this. Because the thing that keeps us chicken it's not our sense of worth. It's more like fear. Yeah? Right. It's our fear. We're chicken. Thank you, God. I'm chicken because everything I do that's a new adventure is because God's taken me there not because I couldn't do it myself. So we have to learn how to unchicken ourselves, (laughs) you know, and sometimes it's not just a trip, sometimes it's it's a way of thinking, anyway, I better get into this word before I lose myself entirely. So when it comes down to it, we have to ask this, God, am I ready to go on this amazing adventure with you? It doesn't matter how old we are. It doesn't matter what colour we are, let's go, amen? So I said, so okay, where do we start, Lord? And I got this scripture, James uh, chapter 1, verse 21 to 27, and it says this, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing himself in the mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, immediately forgets what kind of man he is. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will he bless in what he does." Father, we thank you. Let's bow our heads for the, for the preaching of your word. And I pray, Lord, all that is you, let it stick to our spirit. And all that is not you, Father, just drop to the ground. And Lord, I pray that you would lead us and guide us in this. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first part of that scripture says this, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. What have we got to do? What are we going to do? It's right there. I just said it. Lay aside. Say it again. Lay aside. Say it again. Lay aside. Okay. We don't say, God, can you lay it aside? We say, it says, lay aside. We do it. Amen. Okay. When you are in relationship with God, it's not about, okay, God, do your thing. It's not like that. It's not like that at all. Sometimes he will say, come on, I want you to do this. I'll do the supernatural. You do the natural. And it says, lay aside all filthiness and get rid of anything that is a distraction to you. When we see this word filthiness and overflow of wickedness, you don't think, I'm not filthy, I'm not wicked. <laughs> hey, come on, talk to yourself. It's the overflow of it because of the stuff that happens. Who knows that when you do stuff and you don't repent, it just escalates and escalates until it overflows out of our lives. It doesn't stop there. It overflows and overflows. And God is saying in his word here, lay it aside. The root of causing you to overflow, lay it aside. Put it aside. Don't pray and ask God, put it aside for me, Lord. Make me well. Make me... Come on. Do it yourself. We are in partnership with the most holy God. Do you know... We want to come to mature. Mature people do things for themselves. Children in Christ do nothing. They expect God to do everything. And then when he doesn't do anything, he wants the rest of the Christians to do it for him. Come on. Come on. Amen? We can do better than this, people. We, we really can. I'm speaking to myself as well. Some of the things I think, oh bad. I can do better than this, Lord. I'm sorry. Lay aside all the overflow Of wickedness and receive, receive, sorry, beg your pardon, get rid of the distractions that assault your mind. We live in a world today that's full of social media. That's not only the porn and the filth that comes through there, it's also the conversations. You know, oh, isn't this fantastic, but really on the inside we're dying. Some of us have to flick off the Facebook, eh? Some of us have to do it because that thing is telling us how to feel. I know that sometimes I'm watching Facebook and I didn't feel like that when I first started looking at it and then all of a sudden I feel, yuck, flick it off. It's no good for us. Having an electronic or other people telling us how we should feel, flick it off. Sometimes we need to have holidays from it. Take mastery over it. Don't let it master you. Amen. So we have this, and it says in the next little while, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. We must with all humility, submissiveness, and yieldedness Open ourselves to the word that is being preached. Too often we will hear a word preached and we go, oh, I don't like that. Don't like it. No, don't like that. Then why are you there? Why has God, God called you to that place? When you are in the hearing of a sermon and you believe that God orders your steps, he puts you there. Now listen, sometimes I've said, oh, I know all this stuff. Then I know why I talk to my kids more than once. It's because they didn't get it the first time. And God is exactly the same. Sometimes I'll go to a sermon, I heard that last week, I heard this last week, and it's because I'm not getting it. Too busy judging. That's what our sister said. Too busy judging, the way way I've heard, the things I've heard about this guy that's preaching. Too busy. We have to, with all yieldedness and meekness, accept the word that's coming into our spirit. And with God, being able to say, Father, is that me? Do I need to do something about the way that I am? I can remember when we were younger Christians, when James and I first came into the ministry, there were great preachers that, you know, put into our lives. I thought I knew everything. And it's a well-known thing that when you're a new minister, you come with all the answers on the first year, in the fifth year, you come back, you've got all the questions. Yeah. Or suddenly you think, oh, I don't know everything. But we must, with all humility, yield to the word. And in that whole thing, we must be ready to keep our hearts open to our faults. Now, I said this once before at another gathering. Sometimes I am wrong. Oh, settle down, lad! <laughs> Gee, and I wear this one forever. That one. Sometimes I get it wrong. Sometimes I'm in sermons or in the hearing of sermons because God is trying to correct my view on things. We don't always have it right. And sometimes God's going, tweak, tweak. Come on, man. Tweak, tweak. So that we can get on with it. Not tweet, tweet. We're not going to not play around with social media. Tweak. Sometimes we get it wrong. Open our hearts. We must open our hearts to, to, with all yieldedness and all humility. Listen to the word of God that's been preached. I think... Um, One of the things is that what we need to remember, too, is when you hear the word implant, it means this. It means to combine or integrate an idea or a system with another, typically in a way that is considered inappropriate. So when James and I have argued about things, I think his way is inappropriate. (laughs) And then I find... (laughs) that I'm the one that's inappropriate. (laughs) And so that's what an implanted word is. Typically, it's not what you already have. It's something else to change the shape. When you have an implant of of something, it changes the shape, doesn't it? When you implant a, a plant into another, I don't know much about this stuff, but I believe it's you implant something, you change the shape of it. And so God sometimes wants to change the shape of our worldview. Wants to change the shape of our view on Christianity. Okay. So there, what do you say? Listen. Keep the mouth zipped and listen. I'm speaking to husband's and wives here, aren't I? Some of the wives are thinking, I don't like this woman. <laughs> Look at her with her hair. <laughs> yeah. But listen. That's the way that We learn. Our ideas have become silent because we want to hear what something is another point of view. And it is important. You know, we need to have a thankful desire for this. A thankful desire for it. Hey, sometimes they're going to be wrong and that's okay. But I'm talking about those moments where you think you're right all the time, like I do sometimes. When James and I first got married, I thought all my views, because he came from Elam, I came from Assemblies of God. <laughs> that was a, that was, a, was a wicked laughter. <laughs> and so we were so far apart, it wasn't funny. And I thought the way we did things at our church in the AOG was perfect, and he thought that Elam was perfect, and so there was the Clash of the Titans. And over the years, we've had to think about what we're saying, you know, look at these things that we've learned from the past and say, actually, I don't think they're right. I don't think that's right. The Bible is true, but how we interpret it is another thing altogether. Amen. Because we want comfort on the side of that. So we interpret it to have comfort. Can I have? So when we have a look at the end of that, um, end of that scripture, it says this. Which is able to save your souls. So it says this, and receive with weakness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. How do you know the trip? How do you know the journey you're on, the adventure you're on is going in the wrong direction? Sometimes God needs to tweak you so you come back on course. And all of us need to be open to that, all of us. You know, It's, it's, it's a hard thing when somebody tells you actually what you're saying is not completely right but we have to listen to it because we have to measure ourselves. Okay, you guys all right out there? We're halfway through. We're all good. So lay aside. And it says this, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. To have a revelation from God and not do anything about it this is as foolish as we can get. Amen? Otherwise, we keep taking back the leadership of our lives ourselves. When God wants the leadership because he knows what our end game is going to look like and we need to remember that he's the master of our souls and so we must have a revelation of that you know it's like having a terrible disease and the cure is sitting in a bottle on the table in front of you and you know that's the cure and just sitting there and thinking oh that's the cure and never touching it it's as crazy as that Something we know is going to change our lives, heal our lives, and we'll just sit there and say, Oh, well, that can heal our lives. That can save our souls. And yet we walk away from it. So it's important when God speaks to our heart, we do something about it because your destiny depends on it. It really does. Being obedient. So it's not enough to remember what we're and then repeat it, testify it, recommend it, read about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then never do anything about it. It's like a carpenter who makes a plan to build a house and then just looks at the plan. What's that all about? It's like a pastor who decides that he wants to do a sermon. Imagine if James did that. Wrote the sermon out and that's it. You guys come in, he put it on the pulpit, walked away. Didn't do nothing about it. It's like Richard getting called to the continent he's going to and say, nah, I don't want to. How many people are going to miss out because of that? Amen. It's like God saying something as simple to you as your wife needs comfort. And you think, she needs comfort, walks away. Hearers, not doers. That was a really loud amen, there, Samu. Very good. <laughs> well done, Samu. <laughs> Wifey's clapping. Good on you. <laughs> and it says, "Be doers of the word and not hearers only, because you deceive yourselves." Uh, there's a word that that, that, that deceivers comes from. It's called paralogismenal. Yeah, I don't know how to say it either. And this is this is this described as a man who falsely argues with himself. Now I talk to myself, but I don't argue falsely with myself. I just thought talk, he talks to himself more than I do. That's what we call outward processing. They process on the outside. And you're a woman like me or a wife at the very beginning. I tried to fulfil all his ideas that were tumbling out of his mouth. And that ended in a very bad place. I'll tell you about it one other time. But that's a person who argues with himself. And what they're doing is they're saying to themselves, if I can do this part of my job... Just like James was saying, writes the sermon, and then he, it discharges him from fulfilling the other part of his job, which is preaching it. That's what that big word means. And that's what somebody who deceives himself is like. If I can do this bit, which is hear the word, I don't have to do this bit, which is do the word. And see in that, we're talking about completeness. That is an incomplete circle. Right. And how many of us are walking around with incomplete circles all around our lives because we haven't had, well, we've said, the time, the notion, we're too chicken like me, to finish the circle, complete the circle, be complete in what we've done, be complete in who we are. Oh, I want to do a Bible study, but ah, oh, I just haven't got time. How many of us are like that? How many of us have said that? I've said it. And have I started on it? Tried to? Keep trying, keep trying. That's what I say. Verse 23 and 24 says this. For anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer. He's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away. immediately forgets what kind of man he is. So the looking glass speaks of the word of God. A looking glass in itself is to observe one, one oneself. So when you have a looking glass, you look at yourself and observe yourself, and see whether you know, like Jan said at music, you always stand in front of the mirror and lift your hands up and see whether your clothes are okay and whether you look all right. That was the best music practice I've ever been to, man. It was funny. So I do actually practice it, Jan. I I try this. Oh, now you can see my tummy (laughs) here. But why is that? A a looking glass, you want to look at yourself and see what you look like to others. Amen? Or what you look like to yourself. And then you walk away and think, yeah, all good, walk away. But really, the looking glass of the Bible, when you look into the Bible, it's supposed to show you the blemishes, the mistakes so that you can fix them. It's not so that you can just look at yourself and compare yourself to other people on a scale of 1 to 10. It's It's so that you can see things that God is saying, see this, we need to fix that. See that, we need to fix that. That's what the looking glass of the Bible is like. So we don't want to be like that man who looks at himself, observes himself and then immediately walks away. Amen. We want to say, God, what is it that your Bible's saying to me, that the sermon spoke to me about that I need to fix? And then in all humility, complete the job. Complete the job. When we hear the word of God and we're convicted of our sin, when when we read the word of God, then we are able to complete the job because God says, okay, let's do this. Let's fix this. You have a problem with that family member, I believe God's saying this to a few people. There's a problem with a family member. Don't push it down. Don't forget about it. Do something about it. Do something about it. It's not good enough to ignore it. Because that thing hangs in the air. Hangs in the air. It's like that elephant in the room. It never goes away unless you speak to it. Influences don't move unless you speak to it and say In Jesus' name, off. Or if you have a friend or a family member that you need to have a conversation, do it. Your destiny depends on it. We will stop here otherwise. Or else go off in a direction that we've never been. It's never been predestined for us to do. God has a journey for us. He has an adventure for us. And all of us, you know, come to this place as we gather corporately and go, woohoo, guess what happened this week? You know people like that. I do know people like that. You know, when I see them coming, depending on how I've been that week, I either run and hide or I go towards them. Run and hide is not pretty, I'll tell you that much now. And these are the people who are saying, yeah, God, yeah, God. And so let us, be like those, let, let us not be like that person who observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what sort of man he is. And verse 25, this is the last part of it. But he who looks into the perfect liber- law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. This scripture sums it up perfectly. The perfect law brings liberty, not bondage, around our lives. Also, it's not just knowing the word. That brings liberty, but it's not doing what the conviction of the Spirit has asked us to do. Even the devil knows scripture. I don't want to be found in the same box as the devil. I I want to be further away from him than I can ever be. I don't want to be just a hearer. I don't want to hear good things from God. Through the preaching of the word, through a conversation with a friend, I want to be saying, God, is there something I need to do here? Show me what I need to do. And let God's plan unravel. I don't want to be stuck in this place. I'm not talking about Faith Boy, but I don't want to be stuck in the same spiritual place forever. I don't want to have a dry life. I want to have amazing adventures with God. All of us do. And even, let me tell you this, I was thinking about this when I was having a shower this morning, I was thinking to myself, even if you can't move, an amazing adventure with God and prayer is amazing. He opens up vistas that you have never seen before. He begins to show you some things in the spirit realm that people look at you and say, whoa, whoa, how did you know that? And God says, call unto me and I will answer you and show you which you don't know nothing about. But he's thinking, whoa, I've got this person who will stick like this, stick still for a while so I can show them some things. And I have spoken to people, you know. I went to a conference one time and I, I thought, wow, this is a good conference. You know, they were, it was Latino and everybody was dancing and everything. And I was concentrating on the dance, you know, how shallow can you get, but that's me. And he walks past and he says, can you see that eagle up there? And I'm going, where? <laughs> Where's the eagle? And he goes, the one over there with the away on. And I'm going... And it still looked like a wall to me. It surely did. But he could see a korowai. He stood still in the presence of God long enough for God to download some stuff to him. And out of it came a prophecy. Out of it came an enormous prophecy. And I want God to show me some stuff when I'm stuck still and I can't move. Hey, What about those apostles that were stuck in jail? And they saw things. And God did things. And amazing things happened. Amen. Yeah. I want us to be like that. Those of us, when God says, okay, come on, let's move, we'll move. I want to be the ones who God says, okay, on your knees, pray. I'm going to show you some things. I want you to finish the battle in the prayer room. I want us to be people who say, when I go, when I worship, when I pray, Things will happen, the heavens will move, and demons will flee. I don't want to be just saying, yeah, that was cool, let's go home. Mate, come on. Amen. So this morning, I want to I speak to a couple of people. Why don't you just rise to your feet?